0: Welcome to the TNLA Green Report, where we discuss the legislative and regulatory affairs affecting the Texas green industry. This episode was recorded on December 9th and contains information from the Texas Workforce Commission website. Given the ever-evolving legal status of the vaccine mandates, please check with the Texas Workforce Commission and Department of Labor websites for relevant updates or changes. All right, folks, thanks for joining us on the TNLA Green Report. I'm very excited about our guest that we have for this episode. Um, She has joined us for a number of business education opportunities that TNLA has hosted over the past couple of years. She's um, joined us at Expo. She's done webinars for us. It's Laura Fowler, managing shareholder of the Fowler Law Firm. Laura, thanks for being with us today.
1: Thank you, Ryan. Great to be here. It's a great time to be in business in Texas.
0: Amen. Absolutely. If not a complicated time for sure. And that's why we need smart folks like you to kind of give us and lend your insight to some of the issues that our members are dealing with. Um, I asked Laura to talk today about some of the um really the the hard questions, I guess you could say, that employers are dealing with. Uh, we wanted to talk vaccine mandate, but I, you know, she's she's on the front end of taking customers questions and, and and business questions and so i know we're going to have a number of topics we want to jump into so um laura before we do that though tell us a little bit about your firm so folks know where to find you how to find you know your services and if they're intrigued or have other questions can follow up with you
1: okay well thank you ryan we are uh we have practiced law here uh i am the latest version of a fowler the first girl lawyer but my family of boy lawyers has practiced law here for 120 years uh, in in the five county area. And at this time we have an office in a historic house in Georgetown. And we have an office, uh, plain old traditional office space in a compound in Northwest Austin. And by appointment, we also meet in uh, San Marcos on Historic Courthouse Square in the Drunk Tank, that is now the Blue Dahlia Restaurant. And I will buy you <laughs> beer if you want legal services there. So, um, yeah. So we uh, we've been here a long time, and we I just say this as COVID kind of penetrates everything we talk about today. Uh, the um, we never closed. I gave everybody the option who felt concerned about it. My dynamic group, I'm very proud of them. We have 12 lawyers and five support staff. And when the governor did what nobody ever told me, Ryan, I am essential. I said, hallelujah, we're staying open staffed. And we'd be delighted to work with you. We're a general service firm in terms of um, we do a lot with business, a lot with real estate, a lot with uh estate planning as it interfaces with business and operating agreements and a lot of international work, because a whole lot of our clients are Texas based, but they have Labor coming up from Mexico and Central America uh, or East Asia, and they are uh, have taxation issues with multinational operations, so uh, a lot of our clients, a lot of your members are H2B H1A and uh, and for that matter h1b uh for some of them if they have high tech highly skilled workers uh and then everybody's a holy man so we do r1 religious visas hallelujah (laughs) okay that's enough about me fire away ryan i'm so ready for this
0: (laughs) good well thank you And, and i think our folks can understand uh why you're uh, a frequent guest and and a provider of information for TNLA, uh, a lot of the issues you just discussed are some of the things that are most critical to our to our members. I do want to jump into the topic of the COVID vaccine mandates, um, and it's been a little bit of a nuance, not a little bit. It's been a, it's a it's it's quite a um, difficult situation to stay on top of, even for professionals like yourself who have to track this. And we know that yesterday there was some. Some even yesterday, there were some recent developments as it relates to this, but to give folks who maybe haven't kept up with where we are, um, the Biden administration has released a couple of vaccine mandates at this point. There was a, an initial one for federal employees and federal contractors, and that does capture you know um, our members who have contracts with uh, any, any kind of federal base, uh, any kind of federal building, that would have uh, affected how they operate their business and would certainly have applied to them. And then there was the one for private employers, what they called big private employers of hundred employees or more. Uh, And I guess we learned that it applied to businesses with seasonal employees as well. So, I mean, that certainly captured a large number of uh, employers in Texas. And so both have generated a fair amount of concern. uh, And I think we we can dice that up a little bit, but just, finishing off the the fundamentals here. On top of that, Governor Abbott had his own executive order, which kind of muddied the water um, for Texas businesses where he said, no, no Texas business can can have a uh, vaccine mandate in place. And it's been confusing. I've gotten a fair amount of questions for folks to try to figure out, okay, well, where does that leave us? We wanna make plans, we wanna be compliant. We certainly don't wanna be caught off guard and having to scramble together and develop some of these processes and paperwork, um, at the very last minute. So how do we adequately prepare and where are things? I know there are court challenges that have stayed certain things. Um, and that's your world. And and that's really where we want a lot of your insight, but, but, uh, did I set that up appropriately, or did I leave something out Laura? that I should, that I should be mentioned in that?
1: No, that's perfect line. That is the perfect overview of all this conflict and, uh, let me just say uh the 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 smartest person in the state of Texas, I think, is Ryan, because he picked today, not Monday, to record this this uh podcast. So because yesterday the federal courts, um uh and and let me the federal courts issued a ruling and, and uh December the eighth, the Texas workforce issued a ruling. And Ryan, I don't know what our situation is here for posting orders and opinions. But I think looking at this Texas Workforce Commission letter, Uh I'm going to say what is in both of them in a minute. But the Texas Workforce Commission letter to all employers in Texas um, for their workforce in Texas, and that's most of our members, and the federal order yesterday that is um, Uh, It's not dispositive in the sense that that's a federal district court specifically for the Southern District of Georgia, but uh, every commentator, legal commentator that has been following this is of the opinion that's it for the Biden administration's executive orders. Now, Mm -hmm. let me just say before anybody thinks I'm getting political on a podcast like this, as a fellow employer to many of you, I don't want to fight these fights. I just want somebody to tell me what to do with my workforce so I can go do what all of you do, which is sell something to somebody without a bunch of state or federal regulators sinking their fangs in my throat. So, and I know how to figure out these laws and so do you. But here's what the law as of yesterday is. But again, this is Laura Fowler telling you the history of it. And the key, every time you're making a decision, is go back to these websites that, that, that and this material that Ryan's going to post for you. Hope that's okay to say that, Ryan. Yep. But yep.
0: These,
1: these links will be up soon. Yep. And what I say today, I believe, is what we're going to be dealing with well into 2022, but it's always best to check. And I would counsel with people, don't some people just love to write policies. Now, one reason I love working with and being legal counsel to TNLA members is because they're about that you all are a bunch of action figures. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a lot more fun to work with action figures of people will sit in the corner write policies. I'm a trial lawyer. I don't want to write any more policies than I legally have to have. So, um, but here's, here's what the deal is. Now, number one, um, Ryan is absolutely right what he said the federal government did. And by that, he means not just the president of the United States and what's called an executive order, but many federal agencies come out with the, came out with these executive orders too. But as of yesterday, I think it is absolutely clear that if you are a federal contractor, uh, certainly the federal government in the form of the United States Congress can pass a bill that the president then signs that tells you, you will vaccinate all your people. Through the health and safety powers, the United States Congress has that power, but the president is not about who has the power to do this in the federal, or it's not about does the federal government have the power to do this, they absolutely do. But what these courts that have struck down these executive orders, and it's been a lot of striking down by the federal courts against these federal agencies and the president of the United States have just said one thing. If you want to do this, go get Congress to pass a bill and then the president can sign it. Well, will all sit down and shut up. Mm-hmm. Well, they didn't say that, but that's the way it works. So <laughs> now, according to, um, the federal U.S. Department of Labor, those who were affected, because not just federal civilian employees and the armed forces were affected, active duty military, federal contractors were affected. And that constitutes, according to the U.S. Department of Labor, federal contractors, not federal civilian employees, and not military members, but federal contractors constitute close to 25% of the workforce of the United States. Ryan, did you know that?
0: I didn't know that. That's actually surprisingly large.
1: Yeah, but it was the, that's actually in the federal decision due to amicus briefs filed by various groups, but uh, very Hmm. significant. All right. So if you are a private federal contractor, which means you get some money from the federal government in the form of a contractor or participation in third-party funding, and there are a lot of different programs, vocational programs, health programs like Medicare, Medicaid, whatever, higher vet programs. Those are all federal things that would make you a federal contractor, even if you don't have a contract to landscape with the federal government. This order, the federal government does not have the power to tell you to impose a vaccine mandate on your workers unless and until the United States Congress passes a bill that the president signs. So that's what went away. Mm-hmm. And several federal agencies like OSHA had already suspended their rules a little earlier as, as recently as November. So I think that is a dead horse. Now, does that,
0: Laura, can I ask you, does that surprise you how many courts have ruled in a seemingly uniform direction on on these mandates.
1: No, it doesn't, including some pretty liberal courts, because I just think one person in the form of the United States President saying 25% of the workforce, the United States has to get it has to get vaccines is so preemptive. Mm -hmm. that it just violates the basic structure, not to get constitutional on everybody, but it violates, and I'm no constitutional scholar. Sure. But I think it's a shocking departure from the balance of power. And so does a lot of Congress. If Congress wants to do that, I mean, right now, Congress is a majority Democrat who could get behind their president if they want to. And they're kind of distracted by other things. All right, so... That went away, but n- listen up now, only if you are a private co- you are a private employer with a federal contract or participating in these third-party programs of federal funding. Mm-hmm. A good example of that might also be uh, universities. A lot of them get federal funding. All right, so that's number one, but That order is still, President Biden's order is still very valid, and the courts, everyone I've seen, have held that civilian employees of the federal government, um, a vaccine mandate, the president has the power to order a vaccine mandate. I assume that's not any of our members' problem, and the United States, the armed forces, and I am a retired Naval officer, and I had my vaccines like everybody else, hundreds of them all through the years, thousands of them. And for armed, um, armed forces on active duty, and, I, and that includes recall, they, not because of anything due to do with the private employer, but because they are on active duty or because they are federal civilian employees, they may be, uh, a vaccine mandate may be imposed, And I believe it is uh, being imposed. And because many federal workers, federal civilian employees are in unions, that is being fought vigorously by the unions now. And with the armed forces, that's a little dicey because they can be court-martialed for violating any lawful order. So Mm -hmm. but that's not a big slice of the American workforce. Now, meanwhile, what about this thing with Governor Abbott? Well, uh, I like what Ryan said. Ryan, you're just so elegant. I tell you, you sure <laughs> know how to put it. So it didn't I appreciate that. muddy the waters. <laughs> yeah. Muddy the waters for everybody but us trial lawyers are making a fortune fight over that one. But, but I would suggest to you the Texas Workforce's letter, hot off the press, dated December 8th, tells you what the current position is, which is if you are a private employer in Texas. Now that is not state agencies like universities. That is not um, state agencies like the workforce and the state museum and the, uh, what else have we got? The comptroller and secretary of state and attorney general, all those people. That's private employers like me, (laughs) employing 20 people like all of you. And by the way, those break point at 100, that's all gone too. You know, there's no jumping off point if you've got 20 people or 100 people. That's just not relevant anymore. But as of yesterday, what it said is that an employer cannot require, a private employer cannot require a vaccine mandate uh, of anyone who seeks a religious exemption a religious exemption. But again, that is entirely different. It's, if you think of it, Ryan, at the federal government, we've got preemptive attempt by the federal government in the form of the president of the United States and certain federal agencies mandating what private employers may, must do. In mm-hmm. Texas, we've got the opposite end of the parabolic curve there. We've got the governor saying private employers may not, mandate a vaccine but Mm -hmm. as of which tells private employers what they can't do not what they may do as of yesterday in the texas workforce commission letter which said if implicit in it is the statement that a private employer may if they want to they don't have to but if they want to they can require a state law, a state, excuse me, they can require vaccine of their workforce if they are a private employer. Mm-hmm. That's, that's very, that's expressed in that letter. Um, and that is signed by the workforce commission, by the commissioner. So I yeah. think that is binding that if a private employer, if I wake up tomorrow saying, say, hmm, I think I'll just make everybody mad. I'm gonna require a vaccine of everybody who, who uh is working for me. I have the power to do that. And if they all come to me and ask for a religious exemption, I must grant it to them. And just like a disability exemption with your service dog or whatever, I would counsel with you, you don't want to be rooting around in people's religious beliefs. You need and to I think to I
0: think that's a that's an important point that I have gotten questions on um as as these have been rolled out which is how do i test that what is the test for that or is there even a test you know am i am i going to be deemed non-compliant because you know what i have allowed as far as the exemptions as an employer if an employee comes and tells me for whatever reason you know under one of the qualifying exemptions that you know they don't have to have the vaccine and but you, I would imagine you could get in a lot of trouble as an employer, yes, as sir. you said, digging around in too much in that that you know medical or religious background of that employee. That's
1: right, and yeah, oh yes, thank you, Ryan. And I I'm harping on uh, religious belief, also medical exemption now, but that's entirely different. Religious belief is First Amendment; that is as sacred. And as you're entitled as much to treat it as a sacred right and a right with a zone of privacy, both under Texas Constitution and federal Constitution. But fortunately, Ryan, on the issue of religious belief, we got 40 years of well established history in this state in the public schools. Mm -hmm. Because a parent that doesn't want their child to take vaccinations has to do some things It's exactly the same wording, you know, it's religious belief. And or and with religious belief, the parent just signs an affidavit on pain of perjury if they're just making it all up. Mm-hmm. And on medical, they have to go get a medical doctor or other certain types of healthcare professionals. Some people have uh, I'll just say unorthodox healthcare practitioners, <laughs> and they're perfectly lawful in this state. But somebody outside the parent has got to say, My child has medical condition and he needs an exemption. Mm-hmm. And I believe just like any other aspect of workers' comp, if somebody comes in and says in your shop, Ryan, Ryan, I'm sick. I don't want to come to work and I've got a medical condition that prohibits me. We had a lot of anxiety. Um, not my firm, but we had a lot of employers calling us about anxiety issues. Right. Well, the starting point for that is not to tell them what you think about anxiety issues but to say, well, that's fine. I need to have someone other than you or me send me something just like you would in workers' comp. If they come up and say, I can't walk, so I need to stay home, an orthopedic surgeon or some attending physician needs to give you a letter. Uh So that's, that's what workforce commission, if they come into work, if you as a private employer, and this is hot off the press as of yesterday, Mm -hmm. if you want for your firm to say and this is very problematic with contractors and subcontractors you know a whole lot well what defeated the osha rule switching back to federal government was it was just a nightmare about you know you got a general contractor who's a a, a, like the landscaper chief landscaper
0: right
1: he's getting the big federal contract to 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 replant the irs compound Mm -hmm. well then he's got all these subs and suppliers that have nothing to do with the federal government and are not federal contractors. So that was a real problem that OSHA to say, okay, we're not going to do this because it's impossible to implement. Right. But uh, the other thing that we're getting back now to the Texas Workforce Commission, state mandate, the private employer, um, Ryan's absolutely like, do not be wading into or challenging somebody's private religious beliefs just get them to sign an affidavit that's perfectly appropriate i attest i have a religious belief that makes vaccination Um, and you they don't have to tell you what it is or what doctrine it is or whatever but then when you get to i'm too sick or i'm too medically fragile to have one just follow the same policies you would with any workers comp you know, us that workers comp stuff falls under the Texas Workforce Commission, and there's some great, and I'll send them all that too, Ryan, because the Workforce yeah. Commission, I love the Workforce Commission's websites.
0: Yeah, it's a They're great so resource.
1: Yeah, so, so that's about that for all of that.
0: We'll give, the, we'll give, we'll get that information to them when the episode goes out and you'll be able to find it in the, uh, in the uh, description of the episode. What I want to do a little bit of forecasting um if we can and I know you know we're we're asking you to read the crystal ball here or at least talk about some of the possibilities that might be there but what is the future as far as the legal challenges to the administration on the federal level are I mean they've been ruled on by certain courts so I mean do we ultimately end up at the supreme court at some level and if so
1: but I am of the I am of the belief I'm no legal scholar I'm a practicing attorney but every commentator that has been following this closely thinks that thing yesterday was it yeah and those are very balanced journalists who are are trying to report on both sides but it makes sense if the federal if the if the president united states wants to say the armed forces and federal civilian workers uh have to have a vaccine that's his call
0: Mm -hmm.
1: but with Anything to do with one-fourth of the United States workforce. I just don't see how they ever thought. I mean, if they want to do that, the United States Congress needs to weigh in on it.
0: Yeah. And there's yeah.
1: plenty of Congress that's more what you'd consider in support Democrats and support Mr. Biden, who feel very strongly, not along partisan lines, but simply that's what Congress does. That's not what the president of the United States has a right to do to one-fourth of the workforce.
0: Right, right, well, and anytime a, a concept like that has to go to com- uh, Congress, I think it's going to be a, a slow and probably fairly dramatic process, you would agree. So then looking at the state, and, and I wanna do a little bit of basic um, like state government 101 for folks here for a second because you know there have been times where things have been said like, well, Texas ought to call a special session and pass a bill that directly conflicts with a, a federal rule or law. Mm-hmm. And so in that situation, how, how do you see that playing out? I know Florida is having that conversation. There are other um, politically red states and there uh, there is a growing call um, among a certain faction of the Republican party here in Texas that are asking the governor to call a special session to pass a state law mm-hmm. to do that. Now, I guess at, at this point, it wouldn't be too much in conflict if the courts have said, okay, hold on, that's not in effect right now. Um, but if if the Biden administration or a democratically controlled Congress were to be successful at one point in passing a vaccine mandate and it conflicted with a state law, am I correct in saying that the federal, federal law would prevail?
1: Um, well, all the attorney generals who have sued over this executive order, Have argued two things. One, it exceeds the power of the president. And two, it's a violation of the constitution related to um, community of states, the recognition of states. Now, I think that second one's a loser. Mm -hmm. And why I say that if the Congress of the United States says vaccine mandate with all the death and destruction we've had. I think, is within the plenary powers of the Congress of the United States to pass something like that. That's not a partisan statement. That's just sure. a constitutional statement. Um, and if you look at many other things that I think are important, but less important than public health, like a minimum wage, a state can pass a law to pay more, mandate employers pay more. Mm-hmm. It cannot pass anything that violates Fair Labor Standards Act that violates uh, Family Medical Leave Act, you know, a whole host of, or uh, that violates OSHA. They can do more, more protective the worker, they cannot do less. Sure, so sure. to go through the one, two, three of this, I believe a, I don't believe a state law is necessary now because the courts uh, are headed. And also, you know, about a month ago, uh, CDC attempted to pass something and uh, and that was held by the U.S. Supreme Court to be beyond the authority of the Secretary of, uh, of the CDC, Secretary of Health, to pass. Mm-hmm. So there has been very consistent whether those appellate courts are more political appointees to the left or the right. The U.S. Supreme Court is pretty conservative right now. That they're just saying this had nothing to do with partisan politics. It has to do with the authority of the president of the United States or his executive branch to do things, and they're all reached pretty consistently the conclusion: if he wants to do something, he needs to get Congress to do it. So, based on all of that, and that's kind of a hodgepodge of cases,
0: <laughs>
1: federal appellate cases, including at least one, there's a temporary decision out of the US Supreme Court. I do not believe there's going to be any more attempts by the executive by executive order. Uh, But I could certainly see once we get past this build back better act. um, And everybody gets a little more understanding of the uh, uh, our other act.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. uh, Memories that, that we passed last month. Uh, that we could be having Congress start talks about whether or not to do this as early as January.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, well, and I think that makes sense. Well, I would do want to switch switch gears here a little bit since you brought it back up. The Build Back Better Act—it's an enormous package that has kind of morphed and evolved over the last you know several months. It went started in the House and has um, is over in the Senate already. When it was going through the house, there were some tax provisions that we were very concerned about. You know, from, from an agriculture sector, there are uh, certain tax provisions that are important, specifically when it relates to passing that operation from one generation on. But I think there are, there are some that y'all are probably talking to um, your clients about, as it may relate to this year, and what Congress will or will not do if they ultimately end up passing that. So what are y'all what are y'all talking with clients about as it relates to that?
1: Okay, thank you Ryan. And uh we do a lot of this work both with our business owners who have a physical plant or something that makes their business worth um more than let's just say 5 million which is the jumping off point. And I I will tell you this, here's the best piece of advice you're ever going to get from me. You need to figure out who your CPA is. And even if you're not madly in love with your CPA, you need to get madly in love with them and send them a holiday present
0: and have them on (laughs)
1: speed dial. So because uh, and Ryan, you're a lot more in tune with what's going on hour by hour. But right now, the United States Congress and the Senate they are uh i don't think this bill is on life support i think it's very likely some version of it is going to pass a lot of what was just terrifying to us back last summer which has taken down us uh the lifetime well let me let me just back up and say so nobody gets confused right now if your estate is worth 11.7 million dollars or less and you get in your pickup truck and you get run over on the freeway, your heirs won't pay any federal estate tax. And Texas does not have a state estate tax. And there, there, the last thing I read from the US Department of Labor is less than 0.003% of families who file returns in the United States are worth more than 11.7 million. However, if Congress does nothing, and this is what everybody needs to understand, Ryan, if nothing happens, bill gets passed, bill doesn't address estate planning, whatever, estate exemptions. Next year, because these $11.7 million exemptions were enacted by Congress during the Trump administration, those are going to lapse and we may be and this is why don't listen to Laura or Ryan, make friends with your accountant and call them frequently. If you think you have got, you have an individual estate worth more than 5 million. Now I'm just a working girl. So to me, 5 million is still big money. Mm-hmm. But if you own physical plant, or even if you don't, if you lease all your landscaping place and you have goodwill because your flow and, big time positive as a lot of you have been this year um, you may find under some certain principles that your estate's goodwill has a value that pushes it up well past five million. So I'd be thinking right now at least informally, what is my estate worth and what am I need to do and if you've got a loved one in your business, you need to be having an operating agreement that, that gives that loved one ownership and control before the end of the year. And that's, you know, that's a serious, uh, this is all like drinking water from a fire hose. There's so much to think about. And you got three months, three weeks to think about it.
0: Yeah.
1: But the jumping off point, I'd say anyone who thinks their individual estate is worth more than $5 million needs to be talking to their CPA about what, if anything, they ought to do. And that's, that's about as much as I can say. And this has this has nothing to do with capital gains. Now, the thing Ryan has talked about with capital gains, you're thinking about selling your business. You're just tired of it. You're ready to sell. I don't think anybody's going to be able to do a setup on a business worth, worth many millions of dollars that quickly in the next three weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, but this estate exemption... Now it's 11.7. Next year, it may well be five. That has nothing to do with capital gains. And what Ryan told you, capital gains on big ticket items in this Build Back Better bill, there are some increases in percentages. Mm
0: -hmm. And that
1: is incredibly complicated because, you know, on uh, capital gains, there are all these magical ways CPAs turn profit into loss. God bless America. (laughs) Oh, I don't know nothing about nothing because I'm not the CPA, but that's why you really need to tell that person. And if they say, well, I got to have expedite and extra money to do that, if I'm going to spend my uh, holiday with you, pay it to them. It's worth it because there could be significant changes, even if you had careful, thoughtful estate planning in the past.
0: Well, Laura, is there anything else that uh, is just top of mind as far as y'all's clients or y'all are seeing that we need to discuss?
1: Yes, and i just, uh, since we're getting to the end of our hour here, I'll just say uh, for all the incredible challenges that we have all faced as employers, um, I see a tremendous amount of optimism and a tremendous amount of well-deserved profit. People who have just managed to be emotionally and spiritually strong enough to plow through this, they are doing very, very well. And I, I, again, my practice, what I'm saying is just anecdotal observation based on the five county area, but I think San Antonio, Dallas and Houston are all in very much the same situation. These larger urban and suburban areas are doing very, very well because we have a, a huge influx coming here because our laws are perceived to be more favorable and all these people coming here to work are giving to all the people who are like your members, Ryan, a tremendous opportunity to thrive. So I just say to everyone, it, it, it things are going to get better. And if you want the one thing, I feel very comfortable predicting, I think for most people, 2022 may be the best year they ever had in their private business ever. If they're I in certainly Texas. hope so. Yeah. And because it is, that means they'll have a little more money to join TNLA. It gives you all this incredible training free.
0: There you go. Well, Laura, thank you so much for all your time and insight commentary. It certainly won't be the last time we speak with you. And um, folks, if you need to find Laura and have questions, I know she's always available. She's one of the uh, most approachable people I've ever dealt with. So certainly thank you, Laura, for the information that you're always very willing to share. Folks, you can find the TNLA Green Report on any podcast platform you may listen to. And uh, we certainly hope that you subscribe, like, and give us five stars so your friends in the industry can find us. But don't hesitate to recommend us either. Laura, thank you so much for your time today. And we look forward to speaking to you again soon.
1: Thanks, Ryan. Always a pleasure and happy holidays. You too. Bye-bye.